storyteller for tonight, Kneese, is a stand-up comedian and filmmaker who lives in Brooklyn. She just performed in Netflix Is a Joke and please welcome her to the stage for tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, am I the shortest person on... Okay, all right, hi guys. Uh, so I've always had anxiety. Uh, did anyone else's parents make it seem like their love was contingent on academic achievement? Anyone? Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. So I worked really hard, went to school, went to grad school, went to work at a place uh, that is made to make you more anxious. I worked in sales consulting. Uh, I didn't have experience sales consulting. I worked on film sets for a long time. And they were like, if you can do that with no money, then you can help us organize these events. So I was flying across the country, having undue stress put on my shoulders. I was like, I just like fucking around with cameras. Like, okay, sure, I'll organize conferences. But it was stressing me out to the point where I started to have panic attacks. I had never had one before. And it started small at first, but then I knew I had to do something when I was on a plane to New Orleans. It was 9 a.m. And I had just dozed off for a second, but when I wake up, my heart is pounding and I can't breathe and I'm absolutely certain I'm going to die. And so I go find a flight attendant because clearly they would know what to do. They are, they're sky professionals, you know? So like they would have the answers to like, how we fix this problem. So I go up to the flight attendant and I just say, I'm going to have a panic attack. Well, and she was like, uh, where are you sitting? And I was like, it's about to hit, it's about to hit. And then I just start crying at a woman who's just trying to do her job. And so I'm just crying and I'm starting to hyperventilate, starting to hyperventilate when a six foot two dude jumps up, apparently he's the air marshal, and he starts shouting in my face, do we need to land this plane? Do we need to land this plane? Which, I don't know if any of you have anxiety, isn't the best way to like bring it down, you know? Like that's not the thing that like soothes things over. So I'm fully shaking in the middle of the aisle, everyone's looking at me, and I'm like, this is it, this is how I die, this is how I die. When the sweetest flight attendant pats me on the shoulder, she's like, girl, do you drink? And I was like, not normally at 9 a.m. on the way to a business trip, but I could. And she hands me bottles and bottles of those like mini wine bottles. And she like pulls a cart out of the thing, sits me in front of the door, sits me down, and she's like, just drink these until you're done with this which worked, it was very effective, <laughs> okay? I'm gonna be honest. Being shit-faced on a plane when we landed at what, like 10.30 a.m. and being like, well, I guess I get in the cab now. Like that was, I wasn't freaking out anymore. So in that way, effective. But I couldn't do that every day. And trust me, I tried, okay? <laughs> I was like, if I just drink a little bit all the time, it'll be fine. That's a terrible thing, never do it, okay? Um, as far as strategies, not helpful, not at all, okay? But I started to have these panic attacks on my way into work. I should say, it was, uh, I was the only black person who worked there. Every other person in my, like, um, my role was five years younger than me and 20 pounds lighter than me and all blonde and female. It was a whole thing. So I would just like, get stressed every day on my way to work. And this is when I was living in Boston. Um, you, you know Boston. It's a real relaxing, it's not. It's, um, Imagine just like the yelling that you hear about sports, but people just do that all the time. That's, if you've ever seen a game with the Patriots, that, but like a whole city. And I would take the train, it was bad, it would get delayed, it would get stuck underground, and then I started getting claustrophobia. And every day on the way to work, I would have to sit there 
and do these exercises I found online about not having panic attacks because I was like, how to not have panic attacks? And it was like, okay, so what you want to do is you want to ground yourself in your feet and you want to check in, like do a check in systematically up your body and then you'll be fine. You'll be fine. That's all you have to know how to do. Okay. One day, it's the day when something very important was due, the train stops. It's completely packed. And it's the middle of winter. So in Boston, because it's like 10 degrees, everyone's got like the thickest puffy coats on. So it's like being inside a enclosed space and then someone, like, you know on planes when they're like, don't open your life preserver in here. You have to wait until you get out. Everyone had opened their life preservers. Everyone's pushed together, smushing each other. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's happening. And it's like, okay, check in, check in with your toes. No, fuck toes. And it was like, they were like, also on, on the website for like how to deal with panic attacks, it's like, okay, picture a place where you feel safe. Picture a place where you feel safe. And I'm like, okay, I'm in my bedroom. I'm in my bedroom. And then I just imagine my bedroom exploding in fire. And I was just like, okay, not helping, not helping. It starts to get worse. It starts to get worse. I can't breathe. We've been stuck for 10 minutes at this point. And people around me are starting to shimmy away because, how do I put this? Conservatively, my body felt... 300 degrees? I don't know. So I'm starting to peel off layers of clothing at this point. Um, and I will say, in conservative Boston, they will start to move away from you if you start disrobing in front of them. <laughs> so I'm like taking all my clothes off. I'm in like a tank top and like uh, leggings, just like holding all my things and shaking. And this lady reaches out a hand to me. She's old, very, very old. Like. Like, paintings from the 1880s, I think she had one. Like, she was wearing a fur coat, like, full fur coat and a fur hat. I was like, you don't exist in reality. But she's reaching out a hand towards me. And she's like, do you want to hold my hand? Which is so sweet, so nice, very kind. But also, backstory: when I was basing into all of my self-worth on academic achievement, I worked in a research lab at Duke University, where we did, like, I actually hate Duke, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm from North Carolina, and we, yeah, I was like, I'm from North Carolina, we have to pick a side when we're born, and UNC all day, every day, baby, uh, fuck Duke. Um, okay, so. I'm working in a research lab at Duke, and it's psychological tests and studies, and one of the things we did was a recreation of the Clark doll study, which is looking at young children and seeing if they accept a white doll or a black doll, which ones they prefer. And unfortunately, uh, when I was in school, they still love the white dolls, even like regardless of their skin color, they put more value on the white doll. But one of the things we were studying that I remember very clearly, we were doing a study on hand-holding. And my job, I would get paid $15 per trial, was I would sit behind a sheet while someone on the other side had to retell a horrific story from their past. And they, had, they were hooked up to all these monitors and they were testing all their stress levels and their heartbeat and all that. And at a certain point, they would let me know, um, I would reach my hand through the sheet and I would hold their hand, which is a weird study, <laughs> uh, granted. But it was to see what the effect of hand-holding was on those people. And so they had known that like it calms people down generally, but then they broke it down. Okay, what if it's a white hand to a white person, black hand to a black person, white hand to a black person. I was the black person to reach the hand through for white people to see if it would help calm them down. 
And they found in the study, I, I went to North Carolina Central University, it's like right down the road, they just paid a lot of money for research people. Look, they did write me to tell me the results, which were that race does affect the calming effects of hand-holding. So people, even in the most dire of situations, still think about the race of the person who is offering assistance when they're like, am I calmed or soothed by this? So back to that time on the train. <laughs> It's old, old lady, white, and she's reaching her hand towards me. Uh, you guys can tell I'm black, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> Great. And there's this moment where I'm looking into this woman's face, and I, even in my fog brain, am thinking, I don't know if this is going to work. But she reached out, and I took her hand anyway, and I just cried at this woman until we finally pulled into Harvard Station. It's gross. Uh, Sorry, also fuck Harvard. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, and she gave me a hug, and she's like, my daughter has panic attacks. I totally get it. And I was like, your daughter's still alive? That's rude, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, she was so old, so old, so old. But it helped. And it just, yeah, take, take help from someone who's willing to give it, like, regardless of who they are, because, yeah, I, I fucking needed that. Okay, that's it. That's my story. Okay, bye. Bye.